I'm Yasi Salik, and I'm the host of Bandsplain, a show where we explain cult bands and iconic artists by going deep into their histories and discographies. We're back with a brand new season at our brand new home, the Ringer Podcast Network, tackling a whole new batch of artists, from grunge gods to power pop pioneers to new metal legends, and many, many more. Listen to new episodes every Thursday, only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Hello, welcome back to the Stadia podcast. I'm Musa Kwanga. I'm Ryan Hunt. Ryan, how you doing? <laughs> I'm all right. Everyone's going to be like, what the hell? I just accidentally it's... shouted at Musa and I <laughs> didn't, I genuinely didn't mean to. It's all good. It's all I, didn't, good. I, didn't, I didn't understand the volume control. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's all funny. good. How are you, man? Are you... <laughs> I'm very well indeed. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Thanks, man. Excellent. I hope everyone else is staying safe, staying well. Mm. Um, today we're going to talk about Argentina's win over Croatia We are, we are And there will be another Stadio tomorrow And then we'll fill you in about plans for our final episode of the World Cup And some Christmas plans as well A bit of a change in the schedule over the Christmas break But yeah, don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer Check Wrighty's house from earlier in the week If you hadn't, that went up on Sunday Musok Wonga and Karl Anker Joined Ian. We did indeed. And don't forget to check the Stadio Actress Place on Spotify. If you want to listen to all the music we play on each episode, newest one is at the top. So, should we just get into it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get to football. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
All right, man. Take it away. Wow. Wow. Argentina three, Croatia nil. Messi, the second World Cup final in eight years. And wow. Argentina, thoroughly impressive against a very good Croatia team. Mm-hmm. And Messi, the Batman, has finally got his rub in. Julian Alvarez. And this is the thing, the last time Messi got to the final, Angle de Mira's injury issues were a massive problem mm. because Messi doesn't need much to wreck, but he needs support. He needs help. He's had support from midfield, but Alvarez really stepped up in this game. And the headline really has to be that. So Messi with uh, a goal and two assists, Alvarez with two goals and an assist, I suppose you could say, um, and just because he had the penalty. Yeah. And just thoroughly impressive all round. What was your take on it? I thought this was probably the first true reflection of maybe how good they can be. Yeah. Yep. Because I think that they've obviously improved gradually as the tournament's gone on. I think at the beginning, that loss against Saudi Arabia shook them so hard. Mm. Uh, I think it was almost just, you know, get back to basics and go bit by bit by bit. Croatia have made it extremely difficult for teams. We've seen that throughout the tournament. We've joked about how, you know, the most dangerous thing is to actually take a lead against Croatia because yeah, yeah, they will definitely. come back. And I just didn't th- think they had much going in this game. In, in, the first, in the first five, ten minutes or so, I think Argentina just seemed to keep the ball for ages. I might be wrong, but it felt like Argentina kept the ball for ages, but didn't really do a huge amount with it. Then Croatia yeah. kind of started playing the better football a little bit yeah. for yeah, yeah. momentarily. Well, not momentarily, for a, for a short period of time. But it just felt like they didn't really have a huge amount of ideas in the final third. Which was a surprise because that front three of Pasalic... Kramaric and Perisic is very good, actually. And the midfield three, well, when I saw, put it this way, when I saw the two teams line up, I thought, ah, I feel like Croatia are slight favourites here. I Just agree. looking at the actual yeah. team, the funny thing about this first half in particular was I felt like both teams had exactly as much of the ball as they wanted, which is a weird thing to say. Like, mm. it's a weird thing. Like, if you'd said to the end of the half, Argentina, like 30-odd percent, Croatia 60-odd, that'd be like, yeah, both, both managers would be, yeah, that's fine we don't actually want that much of the ball against Croatia and Croatia be like, we have that three to be dominant. The thing about the four that, um, the formations are a funny thing. We said this before in football. So although Croatia lined up a certain way, a lot of the time, Modric was almost in a right back position Mm. and the midfield four was quite a narrow four actually. I think that was the key to flood the central zone. Because when I saw 4-4-2 against 4-3-3, my first thought was, yikes, you Mm. cannot give that triangle dominance, but actually what they did, they compressed the four Argentina. It was actually very much an Atleti team. You yeah. know when Atleti played with the four across the middle, but actually... Yeah, Sal at left, wing, left midfield. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This was basically four. Right midfield. Yeah, exactly. So what they did was, this actually put a lot of pressure on Alvarez to break. It put a lot of pressure on him to be the, the target man, the breakaway the player, outlet, yeah. the winger, the outlet. Yeah, and this is the thing about Alvarez as well. Like He's a brilliant nine and he's also a brilliant winger. Mm. And we saw that in this game, like in terms of his movement, stretching the play, self-sacrificial. He was just, he's exceptional. And I, it's so funny because we've, we've spent like years in the era of the false nine. And now we have a true nine in Alvarez who was also a true winger and an out and out. Like he wouldn't complain if you said, go on the touchline and do nothing else but just devour that flank. 
And this was the difference. I think Argentina's efficiency, you see how they broke. Actually, someone said it better. I think Casey Evans said, we've talked so much about the compactness of Croatia's midfield and defence. They get defeated by a long ball down the middle. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think that is a fair shout. Um, because sometimes actually the, the unsubtle approach is one that complex teams are not expecting. Alvarez went straight down the throat and was aggressive um, with the defence. And that was the penalty that he earned. And I, you know, I, I think it was a penalty. Yeah, me too, yeah. And I think the reason it's because, I think sometimes we've seen so few clear penalties at this level, mm. we sometimes forget what they look like. Yeah. And the golden rule is if you come for it, like Livakovic did, and you spread yourself and you make any contact, it's a penalty. Yeah, you can't plant your feet and take the charge. It's not the NBA. Exactly. Yeah, no, thank right. you. Thank so, you. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a foul. Yeah. I think it's a penalty. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, there was not much talk of it over here. Schweinsteiger at halftime, although there was very condensed uh, halftime analysis in Germany because they, they went to a news, they went to the news at halftime, which they sometimes do. Um, <laughs> but he was, he was just talking about Lovren's positioning, really, because Lovren just dropped inexplicably deep, mm. which I think was, the, I think that was the main um, killer for Croatia as opposed to the actual foul itself because there's not a huge amount that Lovakovic could do there really right it's right. kind of like when you commit it's like a, it's a foul like anywhere else on the pitch as soon as you commit yourself and you miss the ball if he gets a glove on it or it hits his body it's fine there's no yeah. there's no problem but as soon as he gets himself in that position it's trouble but to be it's honest uh, Alvarez shouldn't have been bearing down on goal anyway no, absolutely. Because absolutely. Lovren looked like he was a good, what, three or four yards deeper than anyone else in that back line. Yeah. And there was just no need for it because there was no other danger. Alvarez had already gone and Lovren kind of looked like he followed him. And it wasn't that quick a turnover of the ball. It wasn't like... No, it wasn't. No. The situation suddenly changed. It wasn't mm-hmm. like he was like, he had no time to regroup. It was just, again, like we said, it's the hated phrase in some parts of the English football media, but it's fine margins. It really was. And Lovren hasn't made many mistakes that's this been, tournament. It's been word of the week, I think. But Lovren Imagine. hasn't made many mistakes this tournament. It's the thing. No, he hasn't. Argentina, honest, he hasn't made yeah. that many mistakes for a long time. For Croatia, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So he's, it was... He's a good centre-back. He's really good centre-back, especially international level, especially international level. And, you know, one small mistake, he makes this mistake. And here's the thing, it's still a penalty. So against Livakovic, the best, well, maybe the best shot stopper in the tournament with the, you know, Bono, Bono is brilliant and Chesney, but those three, Martin I would Ed, say, I Martin, well. actually, yeah, good, okay, don't actually, those, those four then, those four. So we have Livakovic, one of the best shot stoppers at the World Cup and someone actually, you would think against most players would give you a chance in a penalty situation. The penalty that Messi took, <laughs> I've never seen a combination of rage and destiny until a penalty like that. Expressed as a penalty. I've seen penalties thrash into the top corner, right? I've seen like, you know, we saw Harry mm. Maguire in the Euros final, but a combination of rage and destiny I've not seen before. Like Messi as in, I'm not going to be denied because there's been so much conversation about Messi from the spot. We've seen all of it. This man, he ripped it into the top corner. You know those nets that go back, like, you know those nets that use the, and then the US goals that go back about like, 70 meters. He hit that like he was aiming for the very back corner of a net that went back 70 meters. Yeah. It was absolutely, I mean, he clattered it. It was such a good penalty. I think it for was the like, circumstances. Like it was on a tee or something. Like it was on a tee, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
You're saying for the circumstances, sorry, you're saying. I know though for the circumstances, I thought it was kind of unbelievable because uh, there's still this real never- narrative around Messi's penalty taking. I don't think it's quite as bad. It's about, it's about, I think it's slightly above average for the, for the conversion rate, yep. which is fine, you know. Um, but he does score some unbelievable penalties. Like the one he scored in the shootout we talked about the other day uh, against the Netherlands was sublime, really. Yeah. Con- considering he had another one during that game. Oh my God, the one in the game is unreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's <laughs> the thing, I think, like, varying up your penalties is such a skill. Yeah. Uh, this one was just, there was no keeper in the world would save that, I don't think. No, no, no. Just no keeper in the world. And, and yeah, unbelievable. Um, but I think, to be honest, it was the least impressive thing he did for his goal contributions. I thought the other, the, the contributions for the other two goals uh, I don't think he technically gets an assist for the first one because it was such a f- such a long way out. When he knocks but, on, yeah, yeah, he, he just gets the touch he before he gets, gets cleaned out. An assist yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, that touch is completely integral to the evolution of that move because yeah. it kind of just scatters everything. If Croatia win the ball back there, it's done. Yeah. And the fact that he <laughs> he wins the ball and it's just essentially like a control that he was trying to go around the player in midfield gets taken out but the yeah. ball breaks and Alvarez is just downhill all the way. Like I put the yeah. thing in the right house group that it reminded me of one of those weird things you see in like the West country where people just roll down hills. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's like, a, a one, <laughs> like it was just, it was, no one was going to stop Alvarez and there were, there were two inter- or attempted interceptions that just came straight back off him. Yeah. And it was literally like he was rolling downhill. He couldn't, like he had such momentum. I've, I can't remember seeing a goal like that for a while actually because it's he's not really like a bruiser. Yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah. it's not Holland. He's not an absolute tank, Alvarez. But he's something around the way, yeah, but something around the yeah. way the game, like the, uh, the pitch broke open. Yeah. Well, I love that you said that because he, he, has, he has incredible balance. That's why he can keep toppling forward like that. Mm. That's why the ball breaks them. Like it's not a fluke. There's some players you watch them and you think, how can they always, how is it they're off balance and they're always tumbling forward? How are they always remaining? Sorry, going to drink coffee. This, this is a drinking game. Savicevic has that. That was a very Savicevic move. The way, the ability to, to tumble forwards and still like engulf the ball as you're moving. Um, mm. The thing about Alvarez, just as an outlet for Messi, like he doesn't ask much, right? When I saw Di Maria on the bench again, I must say this, I can say this now because they're in the final, but, and I say this with the greatest respect, there is no player in world football in the modern era, with the exception of Abu Dhabi, whose injury record is more frustrating than Angle Di Maria's. Like it's the most frustrating. You just check his injury column. I don't think there's a player whose injury record I've been more hopeful for in terms of like, I hope he gets better. And just watching him miss huge game after huge game. He missed the 2014 final. Mm. He was spectacular throughout that tournament. All these like big matches that he missed. And finally Alvarez being there to just absolutely charge forward. And not just, it's not just the speed. It's actually the power. Like, I think that because Holland is so big, we forget how imposing Alvarez is. I actually remember watching him for River Plate in that game where he scored six. I went back and watched it and I was like, this man is physically so good. He's hulking. Like his mm. actual presence is astonishing. I think a lot of, um, we said this maybe actually on the, on the podcast a few months ago that we were excited about Alvarez. But we maybe thought he would be overshadowed by Holland. Mm. That is absolutely not the case anymore. You know, I mean, you know, they could, yeah, it's bizarre. Like in a sense that City have got two. Arguably the two best nines, the two best young nines in world football. 
Yeah, I mean, they're up there Arguably. for sure. I mean, Arguably. Obviously, Holland is otherworldly. I think Alvarez is kind of, uh, he's just, he just seems like a real pain to play against. I mean, because like, you don't know what position he's going to, you don't know his movement's going to be. Yeah, is he going to crash rest. The, Is he going to go wide? Is he going to sniff the six yard box like he did for the, the crucial goal? Well, the decisive goal, not the crucial one, which we should get onto. Um, mm. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Croatia in a sec, just in relation to Modric. I think that's important. Yeah, definitely. We'll do but, that in part two. But I think going back to what you're saying before about Di Maria, I think the difference was this time around is that it's not, Argentina don't need him. Right, no, absolutely. absolutely and and I think that is a really, options. really good position for them to be in because so so often they've needed players yeah. and they haven't really shown up, whether it be through injury or, you know, I, I kind of don't really like talking about Iguain too much because I think he gets a bit of a rough ride or yes. did get a bit of a rough ride. But there were a couple of times where you just needed Iguain to do what Iguain can do. You're not even yes. asking him to do things that he couldn't do, just things that we, we'd seen him do over and over and over again. And what he and knew he could do. do that. Yeah, what exactly. And do. they couldn't yeah. do that. And I think mm. what, what Argentina have now are a group of players who they know that if they just, they can do what they do. They can do seven out of 10 all the time. Like Alexis McAllister, for example, I think is someone who's gone under, under the radar quite a lot through the tournament because of Alvarez, because of Messi, even because of Enzo Fernandez. Who we need to talk about actually because we owe an apology. Yes, yes, I, I owe I owe him an apology specifically. <laughs> well, should we just do that now, very quickly? Because we've got this yeah, really, the, yeah. we've got this really funny email from Alexa. Shouts to Alexa, who just wrote in saying, um, uh, I, "I'm a huge fan, and I don't want to nitpick, but it sounds like you uh, you said it was Enzo Fernandez who deserved sending off to, after the foul in the quarterfinal for kicking the ball at the bench, but it was Leandro Paredes. Yeah, that's my Enzo, fault. That was my fault. Did, my so fault. we owe him an apology. So sorry, Enzo. Yeah, my apologies." Um, but uh, <laughs> he had a good game as well. The other day. He had a good she game. Said, Alexa said, uh, "Since Enzo had already a pretty rough end to the game, I figured he deserved the record correcting." On that one. Yeah, he did. He did. And absolutely. Apologies, uh, to be honest, I think we've done it. I, you know, happens. Sorry, he Enzo. had a good semi. He had a good semi. Actually, do you Enzo. know what though? Can't believe Paredes actually got away with one. That's probably the first time Paredes has got. <laughs> well, listen. The, actually, sorry, the, the, it was interesting. There were a couple of revealing substitutions. Paredes going off because I think he was he was running hot when he got taken off. But also interesting, Alvarez being subbed off because I think at that point it was like Scaloni, brilliant job, amazing job he's done. Mm. Scaloni deciding the game still needs match control. You still need Messi out there just to control the game, yeah. the tempo. But as a midfielder, but Alvarez as a goal threat has to come off. You know, he was deciding we don't need a fourth goal at this point. But we need yeah, to I mean, tempo. I think the the second goal and the third goals, I think, show you how Argentina are going to win this World Cup if they're going to win it, if they are going to win it. Because, yeah. you know, Messi is, we know that he's not really covered ground that much. He's definitely not covering as much ground as he even was. And But he's never been famed for, <laughs> there was that thing that I put in, I was like, do you remember the Champions League game against that Letty yeah. win? They only did 100, uh, is it? He only did 1500 metres more in a game than Pinto, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. is incredible. Um, but there were moments when you're seeing him kind of walking around. To be fair, he he was holding his hamstring quite a lot to the point where I was like, how bad yeah. is it? And he looked like yeah. he was limping at one point. And even for Messi, who he isn't as agile as he was, he still looked sluggish, mm. which isn't a criticism. I just think that he, I think he, I think he took a knock. Mm. Or 
a slight pull, but there was no way that you were going to get him off. And and you saw it in the in the the third goal. That's that's a. Do you remember there was a, an essay that I wrote for Stadio like way back in the early days when it was kind of like Messi gets the ball on the halfway line, and basically there's panic. Yes. And yes. it was kind of like, if you said that about nine out of 10 players, you could recall the goal that you're talking about. But with Messi, Messi it's, it's, it's any, it's it could any be, point in the last 15 it could be, years. It could be any one of those four times he did it against Athletic Club. It could be one of the times he did it against Espanyol. One of the times he did it against like whoever it was in the Champions League. Whereas people, if you talk about Maradona, for example, and I'm not getting into a who's better debate here, whatever, I'm just saying... If you talk about Maradona getting the ball in the halfway line, everyone thinks of that goal against England, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for Messi, yeah. it's just like, which one are you talking about? And it's yes, just panic. Yes. And yes. even at this age, it's panic. And to be fair, like, Gradiol has had an unbelievable tournament, but mm. no one has shook him up like that since Jonas Hoffman, right? <laughs> and like, Jonas Hoffman would have been watching this being like, I don't know what the big deal is. Yeah. Like, well, like, like DiCaprio pointing, going, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See? Like, why is everyone talking? Like, Jonas Hoffers, they're like, what about me? We beat them 3 0. I gave them a rough old time. You know, like, I scored two against, I scored two against this lot. You know, uh, when they, that's a, you know, see, this is why you should watch the Bundesliga because it's great. Yeah, but then again, when, 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 when Gladbach are on, they're one of the most devastating. Yeah, yeah they're, they're like spectacular. To be fair to Guardiola, there's two things to say about this. He defended Messi very well the entire match. Yeah, I thought uh, he did really well. Even, see, that, that moment in the, in, the, in the second half earlier, there was a moment when Messi gets through after Guardiola defends him so well on the edge of the box. Ball breaks to Messi again, inside left channel, and Messi hits a strike to Livakovic. Should have gone far post, but goes near mm-hmm. post. And when you first see it, it looks like, you know, Messi, bad attempt, should have gone far post. You see it again, and actually Guardiola unbalances him so well that Messi scuffs the ball into the ground. That is outstanding central defending. It's outstanding. Yeah, it's amazing. And this is the thing that I, uh, you saw, and it's something I want to talk about with Modric in a different sense right. in part two, but with Messi, he wasn't getting a lot. And no, he wasn't. He was, being, he wasn't. He was getting, a, well, he was getting a lot of attention. That was the only mm. thing he was getting a lot of. But this reminded me a little bit of playoff basketball in a sense. Mm. And um, I got a text off um, my mate Akash who said that for the goal, he kind of gave he gave Guardiola the, the dream shake, right? Wow. Which was such an yeah. amazing analogy, like Messi mm. in the post kind of thing. But I thought that you saw that throughout the, the, the game. Messi was trying to figure out where the pockets were that he could fall into because he was being defended super well. And this mm. is the thing that even at his age can still figure out in the game what he needs to do in order to maximize his input to the team, right? So you're not, if you're watching him walking around, that's kind of fine. And yeah, we, everyone wants people to, to, you know, do a little bit more work. But, the prob- but when you've got Alvarez there, and we've seen like the, the speed at which he broke for the second goal and the speed at which he caught up with Messi for the third, those two balance each other so well. This right? is the thing. Exactly. And the thing that I thought he did really well for the, th- the third was that he kind of knew he wasn't going to get away from Guardiola for pay- real pace anymore. And he lured him in. Hesitation yeah, he dribble, horrible. Him, like went one way, went the other way and just wriggled. It, it was like, you know those Luka like- Doncic. Luka Doncic does that. <clears throat> yeah, you know those like transparent plastic bags full of liquid that you keep doing that and you can never grab hold of them. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. kind of what it was like. Like yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. this, it, it was like, Gottlieb wasn't even in a bad position for the cutback. No. But somehow again, Messi has stuck the ball through someone's legs. Or yeah, but do you know why that happened? Because if you look at, 
what Messi does is it's unpredictable touches. So he gets the ball on the halfway line, right? That first touch is astonishing because Messi basically dribbles it when it's off the ground. Mm. Like he cushions it with a half volley. The ball's off the ground. Messi hits it in the half volley and he's gone. And some will say, well, Guardiola should have fouled him there. But who fouls Messi on the halfway line and picks up like a needless yellow? Like someone said to me, oh, I should have fouled him. So look, you pick up a yellow at 2-0 down in a World Cup semi-final on the halfway line, like a needless yellow. So you don't foul him there, right? Yeah. So then Messi bursts away and he gets into the penalty area. And by then it's done because Guardiola's like, I can't dive in now because Messi's feet are so quick. This could be a penalty. So Messi's turning, turning. Guardiola actually like, he accelerates still quite well from the standing position and Messi loves that turn that he throws on him. The only other player that can really turn like that is Aiden Hazard, right, at this level. Mm. Like, peak Aiden Hazard could do that. And the thing about the cutback for Messi is he hits it with the right foot. So he hits it a half step early. So at every point, it's like when you watch, like, again, the basketball analogy where you see the player shoot and the guy, the defender is so close that his hand claps the shooting hand, but he's actually nowhere close to it. And I was watching this again and thinking, Wow, Guardiola actually is within three feet of Messi the entire time and he never gets close. And the thing I was going to say, the second thing about, about um, Guardiola I was going to say, I was going to add was, I'm pretty sure that the moment, <laughs> the moment he finished that game and turned his phone on, he'd been added to a WhatsApp group full of defenders, <laughs> full of defenders who'd experienced previous who were just like, it's okay, my man, listen, like this man what Messi did, because I got a lot of comments about Guardiola did this, did that. It's, it's all, look, we had our joke, we got our jokes off, you know, Messi did that to Guardiola did that. There is absolutely no shame in that. I think people actually will be quite forgiving of Croatia because even with Luka Modric in this kind of form, and he was very, very, very good again last night, when Messi decides, and I don't know if I said this in the podcast before, but if Messi decides to have a masterclass, so, yeah. it's over with. Everyone loves like, dunking on someone when they just when they when they are yeah. on the other side of something like unbelievable is Guardiola actually for most of that sequence he defends Messi pretty well I think so you know because he gets on the right side he gets goal side he, he Messi's got his back to goal he's going away he still actually puts him onto his weaker foot for the cutback gets himself in yeah. a good position there is only so much you can actually do in that position unless you clear yeah. him out on the halfway line yeah but I just thought it was an unbelievable goal Another example of how Messi has adapted his game to suit his incredible, his physical, it's incredible. Not, I don't want to say ability, but you know, just it's in his physical his yeah, condition. The yeah, technique is still there. That yeah, it's conditioning. Put it this way: we've just we spent ten minutes discussing his assist, and it wasn't even his best assist of the tournament. I know. That's yeah. the terrifying thing. It's not even close to his best assist of the tournament because the physical, the, the technical difficulty to execute what he did against Guardiola, as incredible as it was. It was still only a one-on-one -on -one situation, mm. which you could maybe say, okay, well, I can name, mm, I can name maybe one other player in the world that could maybe, I think Usman Dembele could do that. That, that specific thing that happened to yeah, Guardiola. Because I don't, for maybe. example, like I was thinking, I don't think Mbappe does that specifically because no, that's, that's not that's what Mbappe does. And that's, that's not saying thing. that no. Mbappe couldn't do that. That's just no. not, I mean, to be honest, Mbappe would have torched him for pace and wouldn't have needed to do that and Mbappe in that sequence Mbappe would have got past Guardiola for pace because Mbappe speeds up with the ball cuts it onto his left foot and he either just finishes first time or whatever and it's jet fuel whereas I think maybe there's like maybe there's four other players in the world that could do that right let's include Mbappe in that four other players in the world that could do that the point is about the Messi assist against the Netherlands is that no one else no one Dude, else on the planet that was so unbelievable that, that even that weird like <laughs> Uh, digital <laughs> like goal replay VAR 3D thing could figure out an angle 
Like you could give it to one of those like, what is it? The chat thingies, the AI chat thingies, and they couldn't figure it out. It just like... <laughs> we've rejected this. Yeah, yeah. I don't think actually, and I know we're still talking about it, but I don't think we've, I don't think I've actually fully processed the brilliance of the Messier system against the Netherlands. No, I, 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 I think, I think it's maybe same. the most Dutch thing that's ever happened to the Dutch in a footballing context. If you think about it, like almost like, you know what? Fair enough. We'll give you that one. Well, you know, we don't no, like it. Be but- like, it's, it's, it's not actually possible. So we can, we can compartmentalize <laughs> that because it's not actually possible. So it didn't really happen. Didn't really Imagine Burkamp watching his happen. screen in jealousy. The angles, the angles. <laughs> Burkamp yeah. would have said something like, he released it too early. <laughs> I would have done it with the outside of my right foot and gone yeah. round a defender. <laughs> All right, so that was it. 3 0. 3 0. So the second final in three for Argentina. Was it Miguel Delaney said that 30, only 13 players have lost have, in the. 28 have gone to two, two finals. finals. 13 have lost one final and then won a second one. Wow. All I'm thinking is teams, players that went to two World Cup finals. Incredible. Going to two World Cup, two World Cup finals. Like you could theoretically have some players who have gone to two World Finals, uh, two World Cup finals, lost one, won one. Mm. And you could also have that if France get through, you could have someone winning the what the first back to back World Cup for what 60, 70, 70 years, mm. 60, 60 years, right? Fifty eight and sixty two. You know what's happened with this tournament as well? I feel like I feel like the, the World Cup has reasserted its technical level in relation to the Champions League, actually. Watching this tournament, I thought to myself, wow, this is the first World Cup I've seen in a while in terms of the football, where you look at the Champions League and the World Cup and you don't go, oh, the Champions League is like, it's the benchmark. Some of the football I've seen in this tournament in terms of the, the tactical solutions that the coaches have found and the problems that players have solved, I've been like, this has been, some of the football here has been at the very highest level. And that hasn't always been the case at some World Cups. The quality has been, I think, more variable, but there's been some really, like almost every team has showed up at this tournament, tactically. Look at Ecuador. Look how good Ecuador were. Look how good Ecuador were. Ecuador was super exciting and just went out. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think Germany were quite as bad as everyone made out in the actual performances. No. They went out. I actually was thinking about this uh, last night, but maybe we should t- take a break and then we'll come back yeah, and talk about it. Croatia weren't necessarily the best Croatia team I've seen, but they, I think we we described them or rightly described them as like wily old foxes, you know? And I think yeah. that they were the, this is the wiliest I've seen them. They used every ounce of nous, I think, through this tournament mm. because some of their best players were just the wrong side of their peak, you know, and still doing unbelievable things. Like I think Perisic was actually really good in this tournament. I don't think it was the best. It's not the best Perisic we've ever seen because why would it be now? You know, he's, it's just, it would be kind of unbelievable if he was. But one of the the highlights and one of the highlights of the tournament, I think has been Luka Modric. Um, we talked about, he's 37. We talked about Messi um, kind of adapting or learning throughout the game Modric did the same thing and he's actually it's it's really striking how different a player he can be and has to be for Croatia sometimes than he is for mm-hmm. Real Madrid yeah you know you talked about him popping up in the right back spot there was that one way tracks back on a counter attack and heads heads away in the right back position he's doing blocks in the right back position he's 
but he's still almost controlling a game from a from a right wing back position, even though he's not playing right wing back, but that's kind of the parts of the pitch that he seemed to be operating. So he, can, he wants to be able to game. see all the game from there, isn't it? Yeah. That, that, but there's a wild one because he gets up. You, you sent a message in the chat. You said um, he's otherworldly. I think in that passage of play, he'd been in the final third mm. and he'd gone out of camera because the play had broken down. And then you see him all the way back. He sprinted all the way back. And then he plays two touches out of defence. He goes past two men on the edge of his own box, just nips it past them and then like lays it off. And just the amount, the sheer amount of ground. Luka Modric must be very confusing. If he's the first central midfielder you ever watch play football, mm. you'll see him with a number 10 on his back. You're like, okay, well, I assume he's going to be in a certain position. Okay, he'll be, okay. no, he's not playing where the 10 normally plays or does any 10 normally play there anymore. And then his positioning for a central midfielder, he's actually vacant. He vacates the central area quite a lot. But then he's also in the center quite a lot. He's always in the middle when you need him. But his decision of when to go and when to leave, it, you know, it's so when to go and when to arrive. I, I, it's so I cannot think of a better. I can't think of a central midfielder who's better interpreted when to be central and when not to be. Out on the right flank, out on the left flank, and there's always a point. To, a friend of mine said, "I feel quite banal saying this." He said, "But I was watching Luka Modric the other day in one of the games on the early rounds, where he receives the ball out on the left flank." And there's nobody behind him. There's basically like a gap between him and Novakovic. It's like, what, 30, 40 meters. Mm. And he's there because his, I think uh, Kovacic knows he can play the switch to him because he knows there's no way that Modric loses the ball in that position. Knowing full well, there's like 40 yards of space between him and the keeper and nothing else. And if the opponents break, it's basically good night, Croatia. It's just an unbelievable player. Someone sent me a message um, privately and said, oh, like Modric or Xavi. And I was like, oh, Chad, we controlled world football for so many years. And I said, actually, then I stopped. And I said, do you know what? It was Greg Johnson, actually. And I said, um, Greg, do you know what? At this point, I'm not even sure anymore. That is how good Modric is. And it's not about like who's better than who. It's more that Modric has entered the conversation over the last three or four years as arguably the greatest centre midfielder who's ever played football. That is how fast he has ascended or how far in the last five, six years. It's unbelievable what he's done. I mean, yeah, it is. It's just, it's, I remember a tweet that Sid Lowe wrote in, during the 2018 World Cup about Modric looking more and more like Cruyff. Wow. And, you know, I think it's like the kind of shaggy hair and the, the not exactly, you know, powerhouse build, but just, I think the, what his, the thing that has always made Modric or the the, uh, the attribute that I think that has always made Modric Cruyffian mm. is his timing. Okay. His timing yeah. of runs and his timing to, you know, you literally said it before, when to turn up, when to bounce kind of thing. His, there was that amazing quote that we always talk about with Cruyff when it was just like, you know, if you're sprinting, then you've missed time, you're running all this kind of yeah, 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 typical yeah, yeah. Cruyff kind of like, well, <laughs> 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 let me just get this. Like, how how has he all of a sudden summoned a chalkboard? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. A Cruyff podcast. I mean, inject that. Oh, inject man. that. Inject Can you it. imagine? Oh my God. Oh my God. That would have been. Inject it. Unbelievable. It's unreal. Unreal. The Cruyff show. Like, <laughs> Goodness. Just, <laughs> wow. Oh, and that's got me a little bit like, it's got me a little bit in the feels that because that would have just been so good. Anyway, um, but yeah, Modric's sense of timing, when to appear, 
the fact that he never really looks in a hurry still and actually doesn't look 37. No. Like, it wouldn't surprise me, genuinely. It genuinely, genuinely wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it will happen, but if we saw him in another Euros. Because right. physically, it doesn't look like he's any worse than he was eight, nine years ago. I can't explain it. Yeah. But maybe that's just because he's never really been that, that kind of player anyway, and therefore he hasn't had to rely on it so much. Like, you're never going to see, for example, Modric breaking down the right-hand side in the move that Messi did for the assist. It's always like five yards here, two yards here. I'm going to grow this way. I'm going to go this way. And just this, this gradual sense of constant movement as opposed to having to be in a panic. But Yeah, right, right, right. Put it this way. It didn't feel safe till he went off. No, yeah. Argentina with 3-0 yeah. up and the game did not feel safe until the And he was relatively off. quiet for his standards as well. And that's the thing. I think that if you can affect the game in a way, like, and your team still loses by that. I don't know. I just think, I think he's had a but the thing great is, World he was, Cup. He was weirdly quiet against, he wasn't quiet against Brazil. He was, uh, it was easy not to notice him because he was doing really subtle things, just like getting the ball. Actually he played a bit like Amrabat against um, Brazil in terms of getting the ball, knocking it square, making ground, five yards here, five yards there, angle, angle. And the moment there was a chance to break, it was the most Real Madrid thing he did in the whole tournament. The moment there was a chance against Brazil, they were a goal up and he just saw the opportunity for the counter and he started the counter and that, that was it. Bang. And that's the thing about him. He's the most patient midfielder. He's the most patient central midfielder in world football at the moment because he will wait. Modric will wait two hours for one opening and be like, that's the opening that wins us the game. And then you'll see him accelerate as if he was 21. Bang, he's into the space. It's really, it's really remarkable. I think I've got to go back at some, at some point and actually watch Modric's run in the Champions League, like the run that Rail went on and watch him in those like second legs and just watch him specifically and just all the movements he takes because that's a masterclass. There'll be the, one of those YouTube accounts will cut together a thing of Modric's as soon as, you know, FIFA stopped taking down everything. <laughs> Whenever, I don't yeah. know how long that lasts, but there'll, there'll be a, a montage of the, just Modric's, like every, every Luka Modric every touch. touch in the yeah. 2022 World Cup. With five angles, yeah. After yeah. Inject you know. it. Um, yeah, I mean, Croatia, a word on them going to the semifinals again. I mean, we kind of summed it up a little bit after the, the quarterfinal, I think. Mm. Just a, a massively overperforming, not a vintage Croatia side, just one hurdle too much. It sounds a little bit throwaway, yeah. but just I think the fact that the teams they beat to get through to this stage, for example, if Alvarez was playing Croatia, they might win this game 2-0. Oh, without question. You and know? also like, his thing, yeah, Brozovic going off. Brozovic going off was a huge That's loss. a huge loss for them. Yeah. When that happened, I thought, actually, it's done, to be honest with you. Mm. Because they couldn't, they can't replace the balance he gives that midfield. Um, and he looked absolutely devastated because obviously I think he knew as well yeah. what that would be in terms of not just personally, but for the team, what the cost would be. But also as well, like Croatia, shout out to them because against Belgium, they could have gone out. If Lukaku scores yeah. those presentable chances, yeah. <laughs> then Croatia bounce. That's it. So even is, to get to yeah. this point is remarkable. You know, And also I think one of the biggest compliments from a tournament is being a side that no one wants to play. Oh my God. No, Do you no, know what I mean? I don't bit, think anyone wanted to play Croatia. No. Just, we could easily see them winning the whole thing. And I think, you know, this also for Argentina, it avenged their 3-0 loss at the last World Cup to Croatia because in that game again, it was very close in that game. It was mm. basically nil-nil to like 50-odd minutes and Caballero makes that mistake. And 
the fascinating thing about Argentina is if you look at that 2018 team and the team now, every key position that let them down in 2018, they've strengthened in this time around. Yeah. You know, obviously Messi is physically not the same force he was, but doesn't need to be because the supporting cast is so strong. Rodrigo de Paul, again, excellent. Enzo Fernandez had a slightly different role in this game, slightly more, not withdrawn. I mean, he still got a couple of good shots off. Wasn't as certain in the final third, but still gave good match control. I think we should try and pin something on him that he didn't do. Ha ha ha, absolutely. Yeah, his amazing assist for the third goal. Let's give him something <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow, hey, do you Enzo, know what? On Rodrigo de Paul, I prefer, um, I prefer Argentina Rodrigo de, Rodrigo de Paul than I do Atleti Rodrigo de Paul, actually. I think he's been... What, more creatively, trusted more creatively? He's used in a way that really suits his play a little bit more. I like him at Atleti, but I think that there's something about this midfield that just seems to kind of, he just seems to click they into gear a little bit more. They trust him creatively a bit more. They trust yeah. him creatively more. They, yeah, they trust yeah, yeah. him with the, sw- with the switches. Yeah. Um, early switches, get the ball in behind. Uh, he links well, overlaps well, and the first person to press, they trust him. You see the Alvarez goal against Australia, I think it was, where he launches the press really high up. They trust him as the most advanced. So yeah, I just think he's the most liberated version of himself. Argentina basically a liberated Atleti. This is what it should look like when Atleti are basically doing what they do. That makes sense. 30% possession, your creative players tuck them when they need to, but when they are explosive, they have license to do what they do in the final third. But yeah, shout out to Depal, who again was, was excellent. And there was a really nice wholesome moment on Instagram. Messi goes on and posts uh, his pictures straight on Instagram afterwards, his social media team, anyway. And um, he posts on Instagram, Alvarez posts and Alvarez is so for Alvarez has got like four pictures of like him hugging Messi because obviously that's like the thrill of his life. But when you look at the Argentina comments, the comments underneath uh, Messi's Instagram, the longest post by, by far is from DePaul. Like everyone else is like one or two emojis and like Messi's wife is like, yeah, go like F this, let's effing go. <laughs> Proper like, she's like an ultra and then DePaul's written like four sentences, like an essay about, oh, mister, I just want you to enjoy everything. And I'm like, man, that's beautiful. That's, that's the so most. Funny. That's one of those wholesome friendships in international football. Department. There was a really, there was a really wholesome interview. I think it was done by an Argentinian reporter after the game, post match, where she said, um, "She said it's not really a question. I just basically need to tell you that whether you win the World Cup or not, I just want to thank you for the way that you make you like what you've brought to everyone and how you feel." And you can see him kind of like being a bit like, "Whoa," you know. It was like whether you win it or not, like the joy that you've brought to people on the football pitch is it's more it's worth more than any World Cup. And all of this kind of stuff, and he, he the look on his face, it was kind of, it was. It, I'm not lying, man. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. There's a really funny thing that's happened with Messi in the last few years, which it feels like his relationship with the public in Argentina, something's changed in the last few years. There was that thing about like, oh, is he really happy to play for them? And he quit yeah. playing for the national yeah. team, and people interpreted that as a lack of care, but it was actually. If anything, it was a surplus of care. It was caring too much. And I think you just look at the bond that they have now. It's a different They trust Messi. him absolutely. Yeah, like you never Messi. heard a peep out of him before. And now, you, you've, since he came back and he's taken on that, that more of a leadership role and he's realised, I think, that if, he's, if you're going to do it, you're going to really need to lead. Yeah. Something has clicked in him and he's actually been like, right, if we are going to win this or if I'm going to win this, then I actually need to change you know, I'm probably the greatest player of all time. And even I need to change what I need to do to help everyone else get through this. And I think it's, whether they win it or not, actually, I think it's 
been a kind of amazing transition. He's already demonstrated. Like for me, he's already demonstrated everything he needs to. Not that my opinion matters. God, how pompous. Um, if you look at the different teams he's played in, the different teams he's won with, the adjustments he's made. And this is the thing I'll say, it's a credit to the young players as well who've come in. Mm. Alvarez, Martinez. Um, Enzo. And, and Fernandez and Enzo, yeah, mm. because they're very young and maybe you might say they're like less haunted by the trauma of past defeats. But to yeah. come into a dressing room with Messi, where so many others have struggled, like established players and just be like, I'm going to express myself and do what mm. I have to do. And part of that is Messi giving them permission, but it's part of them taking the initiative. Yeah. I mean, even you know, Alexis yeah. McAllister as well. Like we talked yeah, about yeah, a little bit earlier, I mean, but well, We've said I Brighton think, have won this World Cup. Brighton have won this World Cup. But I think a lot of that, that's a really interesting thing because I think a lot of the experience of his dad being so close to Maradona, I think has made that transition for him to go into the national team with Messi quite, quite that's easy. That's a great point. Great point, yeah. Um, but I, I, low key, I think he's been one of the, one of the integral parts of this squad. Oh, without question. Mm, he's done without really question. Well. We probably haven't given him enough credit just because if we think of the loss of Lo Celso and how I felt it would be critical, I think we all did. Like we saw that that is the one loss they could not have afforded. He had the highest passing combinations with Messi of any player in that squad. They understood each other like nothing else and he hasn't been missed. And what I love is he's traveling with the squad. That's beautiful. So at the end of the game, he's hugging Messi. It's like, wow, like that's a really strong thing. Similar to what Falcao did with uh, Colombia in the, in the 2014 World mm. Cup got the injury, but still turned up uh, to train and travel with the, or travel with the squad. But yeah, shout out to the young players in that, in that side. It's a um, huge, huge burden and they're carrying it so well. And the one thing I'll say as well with Messi and Martinez, Martinez's energy is so extra, right? But him and Messi are kind of the same, same person, the same energy. That's interesting. Like when, when you see Martinez go all in on the shootouts, intimidating, talking constantly. That's who Messi is. Mm. You know, when, like, when, when Kobe passed, they would talk about him and be like, you have no idea how much trash this man was talking all the time. Or, or like Jordan or whatever. And like, you know, Kobe was vocal, but people didn't realize just how vocal he was. I think Messi's going to go out as the same. I think late era Messi, when we talk to his opponents, they'll be like, yeah, Messi just started talking all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> 13 years into his career Messi was previously silent and now he's just like on the pitches in our came back and he's talking like Larry Bird yeah exactly like Guardiola <laughs> in the documentary in 30 years time he's just like yeah he got out there and actually while he's running he's actually talking to me he's just like yeah I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go this cut. way and then I'm going to cut back in and then I'm going to cut the assist back and Alvarez is going to score and I was just can't like, guard me can't, can't guard about? me like what the hell like? <laughs> um, we're obviously both looking forward to the France-Morocco semi-final very much so uh, to determine who will face Argentina in the final. Shall we bounce? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow covering the other semi-final. Don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer and the Stadio Archers players on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on Collie version by Cedric M. Brooks. Anything else you want to add, Musa Gonga? Nothing further. All right then. Well, see you tomorrow. See you then.